The picture of worship is something that is so important to us in the Christian church. Uh, The way God set things up, it's just a big deal. And we have this picture of Jesus. I, I, I made reference a minute ago about the change that Jesus introduced as far as the covenant was concerned. And before, before he did that, he had these words to say that we have looked at now uh, two weeks before this. Each week from John 4, Jesus declared, believe me, a woman is timing, uh, a woman is timing. Uh, Boy, that's scary for a public speaker. Anyway, let me start over. Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, we look upon that change that Jesus was talking about as something wonderful. We look upon the new covenant that he was bringing as something wonderful. About half the human population is resistant to change more than the other half. Now, all of us resist change to some extent, but um, some of us, and uh, you oldest children, concrete personality, perfectionistic types, will understand why I am, I am qualified to say some of us resist change, okay? So Jesus is coming, and he says, the time is coming, when worship is going to be all changed up. It's not going to be the same. As a matter of fact, it's here now. And God is seeking people who will get out of the works. If I'm good, I'll be blessed. If I'm bad, I'll be cursed. Into the new covenant and enter into this thing that he later introduced uh, the night before he died as the new covenant. That change was Incredible. We look at that like there's the heaven and earth was standing on tiptoe watching this deal. The guys who were walking it through were frightened and confused. They didn't know what to do with all of this. Uh, this woman was not excited. Uh, this Samaritan woman was not excited about Jesus coming to change the worship thing. She was excited about someone that indicated to her that God loved her enough that he would tell the details of her life to this perfect stranger and and this guy this guy could just read her mail and what that says when that happens to you is God loves me enough to tell someone my deal and the message is clear those of you who've had these kind of personal prophecies where people just tell you stuff that they didn't have any way of knowing they couldn't even have slipped around and cheated and found out. They didn't have any way of knowing. And you, most of us, just when that's happening, we just stand there and cry. And it's not tears of sorrow. It's, it's the incredible relief that God indeed knows who I am, where I am, loves me, and will mess with me a little bit. And, of course, we, part of that is we know what we deserve to get from God, and instead we get this love. Anybody understand that? So the uh, this gal 
was the recipient of this wonderful truth that the worship is changing and it's moving into the spirit and it's going to have to be connected with truth. And uh, I think eventually, of course, I think she got that later, probably much later. But uh, God loves us. Now, the thing that is about Christian worship is, is that it focuses upon God. It is not about uh, the worship style. It is not about the worship leader. It is not about the expertise of the worship team. It is about God. And we are blessed beyond measure with the, the leadership and the uh, way we are presented a musical uh, stairway to worship God. And these people work hard and do such an, a great job. And I am so grateful and to them and proud of them. But it's about the Father. And when we worship, it needs to be truly in the Spirit, truly there that we changed truth to an, to an adverb um, to talk about how this is. But it's, it's got to be kind of purely, truly in the Spirit. And the Spirit is truth. So it's, it's, it's a wonderful, when you get into theological studies, you, you get these, these bleed-overs from one subject to the other. It's kind of hard to make everything nice and clean and, and uh, separate subjects like we like because God is uh, so great, so awesome, and uh, the function of the members of the Godhead, the Holy Trinity, just... Um, they, they seem like they overlap sometimes, and, and it is really, really wonderful just to kind of get into the middle of it and let God be God and do his thing in us. So as we lift our hearts in worship, as we, we lift our hearts in worship, and I think one of the great ways of worshiping is to treat your family well in the name of the Lord Jesus, because Jesus is Lord. Treat them well, because, because God is God. Uh, work hard on the job because you're working for God, the Scripture teaches us, and so forth and so forth. Now, as we do that, there is then, as always in theological studies, there is this bleed over into the power of God being manifest in human life. One of the things that the New Covenant brought was a different relationship with the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And I, I just, in preparation for this sermon, went back and, and reread John 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus, among other things, talks about the, the empowerment, the comfort, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone uh, you, you, you feel really rotten because I'm saying I'm leaving, but if I don't leave, the comforter can't come. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. So then the Holy Spirit comes in a powerful way into the church, and people talk about the day of Pentecost, the original day of Pentecost, as the birthday of the church. No, the birthday of the church is at the cross of Jesus Christ. But it was when the church was released in power and the power of the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they were released then to go into all the world. Jesus and most of these guys that were 
that were the intimate followers of Jesus were from Galilee, which was about 80, 90 miles north of where Jerusalem is. And they would, would go home in between. Uh, they were in town for uh, Passover, and then, and then 50 days later, it was going to be um, Pentecost. And, and many of them would go home and do a little work and try to keep things together and then come back to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. But Jesus said, don't leave town. And this was about a week out from um, when the Holy Spirit said, don't leave town. And those of you who grew up with the King James uh, can remember this line, Terry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Uh, that was Holy Spirit's introduction a few days before Pentecost, and they stayed in town on the day of Pentecost, nine in the morning, the lid blew off, human involvement in the kingdom, and it became a divine manifestation there was a sound. Now, people talk about the wind. The Scripture doesn't say there was a wind. There was a sound that sounded like the tornadic thing that we've just been talking about. It sounded like a freight train right here going by at about 60 miles an hour. It was a loud sound, was heard all over town. If it had been that strong a wind, it would have blown them all out the windows. But it was just a sound like a huge monster waterfall or some huge sound like that. There came these visible flames. A flame came that split up and landed uh, a flame on the head of each of these apparently or just above them. And then they began to speak in tongues. These were, these were languages that they had never learned. And that, that started the release of the people that were already in the church of Jesus Christ. They were now baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, that, and of course, then after that, they didn't want to leave. But persecution took care of that, and they scattered and, and uh, went around the world as it were. Now, in the process of this, of course, the church is being established. It is, it is uh, being spread across the heathen world and... The manifestations of this Holy Spirit, of, of this part, this Godhead part, begins to have a powerful, powerful effect on the lives of people. Emerging in all of this is a list of manifestations that are for the body of Christ to release to those people who need it who need some kind of help, need some kind of direction, need some kind of healing, uh, even need a sign. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we read, Now, beginning with verse 7, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. 
that is a concise listing, and it's certainly not all of what the Holy Spirit does. But this passage begins where we read earlier at communion, begins a teaching in 1 Corinthians that is talking about when the body is gathered. We're talking about public worship. And so in that setting, there are these nine gifts that are distinguished among what the Holy Spirit does in corporate worship and in individual lives. Let me repeat these gifts. There is the message of wisdom, the message of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now, those things are for... Well, let me just read this verse from uh, a couple chapters later because, because the apostle is still talking about how we do public worship. And he starts that in chapter 11 and goes for a few chapters here in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, verse 26. It says, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, that's, that's the whole business of God manifesting himself in us. Um, there, there have been, uh, as in the Corinthian church, there have been misuses of God's gifts forever until Jesus comes those mistakes will be made. Do not look for a perfect church. If you do, stay away. Okay? Let's just be real, folks. We are not perfect, but we are trying to release what God wants to do to heal lost folks, broken Christian folk, and just encourage and release greater power, love, and victory in everyone. And if you're not lost and you're not broken and you're not discouraged, then I hope that today you just leave this place with more faith to love people and to wash feet and to get the work of God done that God saved you to do. That's part of why we get together is so you can be taken up a level and released to do the work of God. He loves lost folks. He is out to save your neighbors some of those neighbors that you wish weren't your neighbors. Some of those co-workers that you wish worked elsewhere. Or better yet, that you worked at a different firm in a better position. Some of those family members. It's so, so much fun to, to get to talking about family when you feel safe that you can talk about your extended family. I heard one of my colleagues uh, not long ago talking about where he came from. He, he was raised in a trailer park and... Everything was dysfunctional that could be dysfunctional. And uh, he, he told the story one time about uh, going to, he was, he was dating this little girl. And he went to their house and everything was just wonderful. You know, he spent the Sunday afternoon there and they had lunch together and they hung out together. And everything was, was uh, just smooth and tranquil and pleasant and supportive of each other. And so... When he left, he said to his girlfriend, Now, your dad does beat your wife, doesn't she? Doesn't he? You know, and it's just like, that just goes with the house. You know, dad beats mom. That's 
that's part of it. And, of course, in those circumstances, usually there is a rotation out of, of one or both of those. And so, and that's the way he grew up. And he was talking about going, uh, his, his kids uh, meeting some of his brothers, some of his cousins, and so forth. And um, Uncle So-and-So, and he had some of the most colorful stories that I've ever heard. Um, and I thought my, my relatives were colorful, but they're just, they're dull compared to his. And, um, his kids would ask about uncle so-and-so because they didn't know anybody in the world like that. They'd been raised in a godly home and so forth. Well, that's, that's real life. And if you don't have anybody in your family like that, you know what I think about you? You probably lie about other things too. Now, that you can take that and soften it a little bit if you want to, but, you know. Um, so, when, when we have these kinds of things in our life, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Lord willing, next week, I'm going to spend some time and talk about these gifts of the Spirit, how they're to operate, what they're about. But this morning, I want to just concentrate on this thing for a moment, and that is... Everything being done for the strengthening of the church. That if we can have a release of the power of God. Do you know that when you come into this room and the leaders say, let's lift our voice and worship the Lord. And you get your mind on God and you focus on him. All of the crummy stuff in your life is going to take second place. We hate change. And some of us do. Some of us more than others. But if we were really comfortable the way it was, we surely do not want that change. But it changes. I, I have watched this in my life and resisted it. And there's not a cotton-picking thing I can do about most of it. Uh, I had both of our, of our daughters in town, their husbands... And um, one of them had two kids and one of them had three kids. And the husband of the one with three kids said, it's God's will for me to go be the CFO for the Minnesota Vikings. And they didn't say, what do you think about that? They just said, that's the will of God. And so I remember going into the sanctuary that we, that we had on the platform over on Blue Ridge Cutoff and getting up on the top level of the, the back of the platform and nailing my belly button to the floor. And my attitude was, I'm not getting up from here until this is okay. Because it wasn't okay. I enjoyed those kids. I had all five of my grandkids right there. Uh, the one that was leaving actually lived closer to our house than the rest of the, of the grandkids. And it was like, this really stinks was my attitude. So I, I get back there and I was, I'm not going to get up until this is done. Well, it wasn't five minutes until I was just laughing out loud. It was okay. It was okay. Now, that's not the end of the story. They had just closed on a house that's less than a mile due west of here just closed. I mean, it was a done deal, but they ain't even good and moved in. 
and, and then now they've got a house for sale. And Papa is in Minnesota. And the second time that the mother of these children called their mother to say, would you please keep the kids so I can get the house ready to show it? She said, you just need to move in. We had room. We had a good place for them. And so they did. So I got it prayed through that they're all leaving, and then they move in my house. And they stayed for seven months. And when they left, I had it to do over again. And it only took about two weeks that time. But uh, we hate this change. We hate that stuff. It really hurts. But you know what? I, I learned this really well. When uh, And you may love Bill Clinton. Um, I pray for him to be saved. I don't love him or hate him. He just whatever. And, uh, but he came in following a pro-life president... And, and Bill Clinton had owed some political debts to people who were uh, abortion uh, proponents. And so in the first five days of office, he did all of these executive things that just changed the, the real kind of pressure against abortion. And it was just all elevated to freedom, just do what you want to. And I was just brokenhearted. I was just crushed. And it was like, you know, I just didn't know what to do with that. And I was just... And so I go to the Lord, and you know what? The Lord had not changed a bit. He was exactly the same. The Word of God was exactly the same. And all of this horrible feeling of change was because I was looking on the surface instead of to the eternal and the unchanging. And I recommend today, if you're in a lot of pain because of change or anything else that's kind of out of your control, go to the Father he does not change. Go to the Word. It's, it remains the same. When heaven and earth passes away, the Word will still stand. It is wonderful to have the Word of God, to have our Father. And so I want you on this day that we talk about these people who have, who have died in the defense of our country trying to assure our freedom that in all of this, let's do something rather than just feel the pain and writhe in our misery. And it's awful. I hate pain. I'm way too healthy. You may think I'm mentally ill, but I'm not that sick because I hate pain. And... If you are in trouble today inside yourself, let me tell you that God is unchanged. And the one that called you when you weren't worth a flip to his kingdom and brought you into him and lifted you up on his lap and began to heal you and change you and make you worth something to him and to those around you, he is unchanged. He loves you. He is ready today to guide you and aid you. And I want, us, I want us to do this before we close. I want us to, to say to ourselves, I am going to build a memorial. It is not going to be to my works. It's going to be seeking the face of God, seeking the glory of God in me and in my family, if you're married, in your spouse, if you have kids, in the kids, or if you're a kid, in 
your siblings and mom and dad. I want us today to, to get this vision. Take this, this as a picture right in front of your face. I am going to build one that has faith in God. I am going to build a picture that will change, change this lost feeling, this miserable feeling of, of confusion and pain and all of the attendant emotions. I am going to build something that, that belongs to God. It's built by God. It's built for God. It's built to the glory of God. And it is built to bless those people that the Lord draws to look at it. Does that make sense? For instance, if you're struggling in your marriage, why don't you just go ahead and pray that through, do the necessary forgiveness, do what you need to do to be reconciled. Get If you're in real trouble, get in the hands of a godly marriage therapist and get the sucker fixed. You're just going to do this forever? You're just going to beat around on each other forever? What? Does that make sense? What's the holdup? We need to build a memory. We need to build a memorial to godly marriage, raising godly kids. And if you are a kid and the place you are in is a pit, there's a little challenge. Let's take away the little. There's a challenge. Build a life that looks like what Jesus would have you do if he were living with you, guiding you, strengthening you in every, in every problem situation. What, what, if, what if that were true? What if, if Jesus were in, right in the face of everything and you're doing all this funky stuff and you're, you're being bounced around between the, the opinions of this parent or or that sibling, or this pressure at school, or whatever it is, what if you just said, okay, God, I want to build something that's glorious for you. I want to be in this world at best just a few years. And from now on, I want you to be the big dog, you the boss, and I'm going to try to do what you say. What would, that, what would, what would your life do? Well, it wouldn't, I'd lose all my friends. And, well, I wouldn't have any fun. And, poor baby, you're not going to have any fun in hell. And I don't know what you believe, but I want to assure you that because you once talked to God and walked with God does not mean you can't go to hell. The Scripture does not teach that. Says you better stop doing that stuff or your name will be removed from the Lamb's Book of Life, whatever that may mean. And I know what it means, and you know what it means. I just I just want to bring it to you, folks. We are not about kind of bouncing from emotion to emotion. We have a focus. We it's it's like the, the first prayer that I prayed when the grandkids that part of the grandkids were leaving town. And when I focused on the Lord, it got okay. Now, they didn't leave right away, as I told you, but I was good for a few days. <laughs> Matter of fact, I was good for months until they actually left town. But here is, here is the offer. 
build a memorial so that when Memorial Day comes, you can look not at stuff, not at what you don't like. Some of you may be upset about the political uh, situation of the previous president and his regime, his uh, administration, or the present president and his administration. You may be bent out of shape about both of them. You are hard to please. No. No. Whatever. See, your political deal, all that stuff's going to pass away. But what you build in the kingdom of God in your heart by faith is going to last. I I want us to build something where we are so holy that when somebody wants to get us on some kind of a political bandwagon, whether it's in our family, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the political community, whether it's on the job, that we're just not available for that kind of little stuff. We don't have time for the little gossipy stuff. We've got to focus on God. How would that be? Would that be okay? What would that do to the kingdom of God? What would that do to lost folks? What would that do to the evangelism that we talk about all the time? What would that do to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to your family members? To your spouse that doesn't know the Lord, your kids or your parents that don't know the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Memorial Day in the United States. We are so wealthy. It is beyond comprehension what you have given.